What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Soccer Subs Podcast, Episode 4. I'm Ronnie, joined by my two Soccer Subs co-hosts, Christian Hugh. What's going on, fellas? How you guys hey, doing? what's up? We love you, City. Episode we four. do. We love you, City. <laughs> we do. We love you, City. <laughs> we do. Oh, City, we love you. I think I think it's funny now. Christian's going to become a, a NYCFC fan because he has to. Because like, he's going to City. I mean... <laughs> well, well, say what's up. How you guys been? It's been too long. Say what's up to the fans. Christian gave himself a pretty good intro. Any Red Bulls fans listening? Now, now you got your talk of the day. Soccer subs host switching alliance. Everything's been good. I mean, I, I'm hyped to do this episode. How about you, Christian? Hey, man, we got a lot of things to talk about. I'm excited. As you guys know, Christian, it's such a pleasure to be here with you guys. Yeah, I mean, listen, for the first three years, let me enjoy this, and then we can talk <laughs> about the last two, okay? Fellas, we got a special guest coming up later today. We're joined by the one and only Mr. Marcelo Balboa from Team USA, <laughs> men's cap, USA men's yeah. captain, 90 and 94. Wow. This guy's a great guest. We, you guys are going to love him. We talked it up a lot with him. Can't wait for you guys to hear him out. And fellas, like you guys said, it's been a crazy week with soccer as usual. September's going to be a busy month, so can't wait to get to those games as well. But fellas, first things first, we got to talk about Messi wanting to leave Barcelona. We're also going to come up with some transfer rumors coming up. There's been a lot of movement in the soccer world. But first things first, Messi is looking to leave Barcelona. This is huge. I'm sure you've been hearing it all over the world. Christian, I got to start this off with you. <laughs> Barcelona here. Messi uh, wants out. It might go to Man City, man. What, what are you guys thinking about this? Hey, man, let him leave. Let him leave. He <laughs> wants to leave. Let... <laughs> you'll, you'll, have, you'll have a lot of fans heading to, to Man City for sure. Look, just, just quickly, I heard someone, a sporting director, say, say this. Good players obviously focus on playing well, uh, earning a lot of money, and, you know, being just financially stable. You know, that's why you have players that go to China or go somewhere else where they, where they can earn money. But great players, great players want a project. And I think Barcelona's project is over especially with an executive board who has just been to a, through a lot of failures. And I think this is a great opportunity for, for Messi to prove everyone that he's ready uh, to win more championships, play in the Premier League, like everybody was always accusing him of. You know, he never changed the leads. Now, now I want your support. Now let him leave and he'll show you what he's capable of. Of course, the best player in the world. Let's 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 get this let's get this little snippet of, of Christian saying this so that in three years' time, if if anything does go wrong in the Premier League, let's just let's just have this on hand for all the Ronaldo <laughs> fanboys out here to come in. No, but I think he already Messi already hasn't shown up to training, to training COVID testing. COVID test. mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean he's he's done at Barcelona. I mean, they're gonna have to give him like crazy amount of money for him to stay at Barcelona. And I don't think he's going to take it. I mean, the, the man, he doesn't have to work. His kids don't have to work there. Kids and I, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, going to City, he's kind of signing his pension check, right? Like, you know, he's going to play with his his friend, Sergio Aguero. He's going to be managed by Pep Guardiola. And he's going to get a crazy amount of money from a team that has really deep pockets. So, I mean, also he gets to play for the best team in the world in the Bronx, NYCFC. I mean, but that's a no-brainer. And I think that I think it's a smart move for him. I mean, he's got nothing to do at Barcelona anymore. He's got a chance to shut some people up who really don't think he can perform in other leagues. And hopefully, I mean, for for my sake, I'm a Madridista. I I'm you know I've never liked Barcelona, but for like the sake of people who have half a brain, I really hope he does do well in the Premier League because there's going to be like 
a bunch of absolute children who are going to take to the streets if he has a, a season with less than 20 goals who are going to say, you know, oh, yeah, what a failure of a player. And so it's like, I, I hate those people. I mean, you know, but hopefully, hopefully things go well for him, the Prem, and that means he'll want to stay and come to New York, and hopefully we can get him on the podcast. But, um, Ooh, uh, of course. That's not happening for now. <laughs> Maybe a little bit later. Though, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm hyped to see him play somewhere else. I think the Premier League wants Messi. Messi wants the Premier League. And I think it's going to be really exciting. Maybe City can finally win the Champions League. <laughs> Never know. Never know. No. That's a, that's no. a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I fellas, mean, where to start with this one for me? This one is crazy. I mean, so much drama. Just seeing Messi's name all over the newspapers, all over the all over the World Wide Web. It's just crazy. I, I really think I agree with Christian and, and you, Hugh. I think Messi's already dedicated over half his life to Barcelona. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Copa del Rey. He's won La Liga. I think he's proved himself over in that part of Europe. And I think for him to go to the Premier League, I'd be excited to see him over there, man. Getting to that, I will say that, you know, Man City or, or PSG, I believe, are the only teams that I believe might be able to, to afford him. But I'm also hearing these uh, these news rumors that, you know, it might be a five-year deal with two years probably coming to the MLS. You guys already know me. I'm an NYCFC fan. So I would be hyped <laughs> if Messi came to NYCFC. But I got to keep it realistic, man. I'm, I'm a big Madridista, Real Madrid fan. But for the sake of the sport and for the love of the sport, I really do hope he does well over at Man City if that's the route he goes. More to come on that. I'm sure we'll have more, more up-to-date stuff for the next episode on Messi. But, fellas, we got to get into some transfer news going on. There's been a lot of movements uh, in the soccer world. We've had Thiago Silva going to Chelsea. William going to Arsenal. William, why did you do that, man? Ugh, I'm a Chelsea fan here talking, but don't mind me. Rakitic going to Sevilla. Pedro Roma, and Weston McKinney, the Juve. Jeez, so much to talk about. Hugh, let me start that one off with you. I'm going to have you pick your top two or three that you like. Feel free That's to tough. go off, man. Which, which ones are you liking? Which ones are you guys feeling? I mean, for me, I, I've i always liked Hakim Ziyech. I have I have his jersey. I have his Ajax you jersey, do. actually. You do. Yeah, and I, I think he's a sick player. I mean, there's that clip of him from last year's Champions League playing that crazy long ball on the switch. And it's just like, how did he do that? You know, like, this, this guy's a wizard. And... He's one of those people where you watch him play and you're like, okay, he's probably going to be good. He's probably going to do well. And then he just does 10 times better than he's going to do. And I think at Chelsea, his link up with another signing, Timo Werner, that's going to be really hard for Premier League defense. Especially, I mean, you have Pulisic up top, Werner up top. You're going to have Ziyech in the middle. Uh, maybe Kai Havertz in the middle. Maybe, yeah. If, if they get things working by, I mean, obviously the transfer window is closed for now, but maybe if they get things working in the winter, Chelsea are going to be ridiculous. And I think letting Chelsea's go of William, like you said, maybe a bad idea, but... I think William isn't going to have a spot in this team in, in that Chelsea team anymore because they've got some crazy players. Mm-hmm. And I think him going to Arsenal, I think Christian, you wanted to talk about this, like how he's going to fit in at Arsenal. I think that's a whole different question. But actually, you know, Christian, why don't why don't you take this one? Yeah, I mean, I think the way William left Chelsea was a disagreement with the ownership. I think he wanted to stay for three more years. And the club was only offering him two years. So I think that, you know, player and management 
uh, relationship wasn't satisfactory. So he decided, hey, listen, I think I have enough talent to, to move somewhere else. And Arsenal was ready to pick it up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see William playing at, at Arsenal because you also have a lot of young talent at Arsenal with Saka and, and Ketia. You know, who are you going to sit down? You know, both of them are, uh, one of them is 21, the other is 18. And, and, you know, I think William is a great fit for any Premier League team because he still has the talent. He still has the pace and he's, he's an incredible player. You know, I, I think Chelsea lost a little bit. If they would have hold on to him with all the, 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 the new players that are bringing in, like you said, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech and, and Ben Shilwell from, from Leicester, you know, I, I think you've got a really strong squad. I actually consider Chelsea to be probably a, a competitor for the league if William had, a, had stayed. So right now, I, I, I mean, I think for Arsenal, it's a great, great pickup. I want to see where he's going to fit, who's he going to sit down. But, uh, you know, overall, very impressive by these moves. Um, I, know, I know Ronnie mentioned also a little bit about Thiago Silva. Quick story. Again, the player and management relationship is so important because you have the sporting director at PSG talking about, you know what, you're, you're going to be 36 in a couple of months. Uh, June, your contract in June is going to expire. You know what? I think we had enough. And then boom, you know, then we come back from the pandemic. We have uh, the, the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And Thiago Silva is a pillar in that defensive line. And he shows you just experience and quality that, that he brings to a team. And, you know, the, the director was like kind of begging for him to stay. And, and Silva was like, no, not anymore. You had your chance, buddy. I'm moving, uh, I'm moving to London. <laughs> yeah, wait. To, to ask you a question about that, Christian, do you think if PSG had gotten their hands on the trophy, more specifically, if Thiago Silva had gotten his hands on the trophy, do you think he would have stayed? Or do you think, I don't know. Ooh, that's, that's a great question. A I question. think... I think you have to compete. I mean, I'm pretty sure he probably wanted to play the, the World Club Cup. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe playing the Super Cup, the European Super Cup too. I don't know. I mean, PSG is still a strong team. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think Thiago, after that incident with the sporting director, mm-hmm. he, his honor, his integrity was kind of like diminished. So he's like, yeah. all right, buddy, you don't want me. I'm still good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then Chelsea made the right move, I think, for a one. Yeah. year contract yeah it's fine for him he'll have one good year at Chelsea and then like every other Chelsea player he'll sign a one-year deal at Arsenal and he'll retire there yo fellas I'm really liking the Thiago Silva Chelsea move really excited about that as a Chelsea fan Thiago Silva I think is a solid 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 pickup I really also like the Rakitic to Sevilla move I think man Sevilla just winning the Europa League and all that solid move by Sevilla I think Sevilla is definitely picking up what they can and trying to keep building on that Sevilla's keep watching Sevilla and La Liga for, for the upcoming season and definitely I'm excited for Weston McKinney man the American going over to Juve I'm trying to I'm excited to see what he, he can bring out there in Juve so hey man you got to represent out there so Weston McKinney all the, all USA, the best of luck baby. USA yeah. baby all the best I of think, luck to Weston McKinney out there I think, I think we should quote Bobo Vietti on this he's going to train really hard in Italy 
And I think he's going to become, <laughs> a, you know, he's going to cut out the edges and he's going to become a well, like a well-working machine. And I think he's going to be part of the, he's going to be part of one of the best teams that America's ever produced. Oh, for sure, man. I, I think Bilo's going to have him working hard. I think he's going to get him in top-notch form to actually, you know, compete. And I'm excited to see what Weston McKinney can do out there. You know, and just some stuff to add. I'm really excited to just see William. I'm, I'm wishing William the best in Arsenal. I'm really bummed he left. We'll see what he does out in Arsenal. You guys nailed it out. I'm curious to see how he can fit in over at Arsenal. We'll see how that goes. And fellas, just to quickly touch upon uh, Arsenal winning the Community Shield, beating Liverpool in penalties. Um, you guys think of that, man. That was a, I love the Wakanda tribute by Obama Yang. But fellas, mm. quick thoughts on that game. Yeah, for me, I think it's it's crazy that it even went to penalties in the first place. Like, that's such a loss for Liverpool that it even went to penalties that it wasn't, you know, 2-0, 3-0 after the first 90. Because for Liverpool... They just won the Premier League. They're coming up against an Arsenal side that didn't even come close. Sure, they won the FA Cup, but that could be considered a fluke. But I think, you know, more and more now, it seems like Liverpool season might have been a fluke because <laughs> after they won the league, they were not very good. And it's like they the went on community- vacation. Exactly. And in the Community Shield, they got beaten by an Arsenal squad that's pretty good, hadn't brought anyone in through transfers, and was wearing probably one of the strangest kits I've ever seen in a while. Like, <laughs> that marble design. But, you know, it's, it's fine. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, Christian, what, what, was, what was your take on that game? Hey, man, the jersey kits are horrible. I don't know who's the creator in Nike or Adidas or whatever, whoever is designing these things, man. But I I want to see an Arsenal that is consistent because they are good. And I think I saw a great team out there. Like we, we touched on it earlier, young players, who can connect with talented players like Obama Yang, you know, with that cross from uh, from Saka and him being able to control it and find a shot. You know, those are those are very skillful plays that this team can bring. And I think they're they're very talented. I think you mentioned something something about Liverpool. I mean, they weren't playing with uh, Trent Alexander Arnold, but you know, I, I I do expect I did expect it more from them. So. It's going to be, this is going to be a very interesting season. I don't think Liverpool is going to win the championship oh, again. Messi comes oh, over no, to the Premier no League? Way. Oh, man. <laughs> Premier League is going to be the league way. to watch. Oh, yeah. man. You're going no, to have they, so many things happening. You, you, have, you have my money. Liverpool is not winning the league this year. Liverpool, it's, it's going to be like another 30 years before Liverpool wins the league. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, I don't if, like them. With, with, with Chelsea signing like half a country worth of players and, and City bringing in Messi, I don't, I don't know if they're going to make top four i mean and and i mean hot take i think arsenal could make top four this season if they if they're on the same form they've been for the fa cup and the shield but i don't know i hope it's a i hope it's a good Premier league hey Mikel arteta he has beaten guardiola Dude, you know he's, he's good i mean he's the crazy good. thing is he's like he's like he's like three four years younger than pirlo is and, and he's, <laughs> oh he's coaching in the prime it's like <laughs> i don't know yeah, it's gonna be interesting are, yeah, you're like you're like. How did this guy end up here? Like, why why is he coaching and not making like a hundred million dollars a day in Qatar or something? But I don't know. <laughs> the he's he's the winning game. trophies. He's doing good for Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, but surprising, surprising for sure. All right, fellas. Well, we got to get over to our guest, Mr. Marcelo Balboa, is joining us yeah. today. We're excited yeah, to speak Marcelo to this man. Hello, Mr. Balboa. Balboa is currently the a coach for the Colorado Rapids. He's actually been training the U14 squad out there, and he, I think he's killing it out there. We're excited to get in touch with Mr. Balboa coming up right now. He's got an awesome interview for you guys. All right, let's get it.
All right, ladies and gents, we got a special guest joining us today. This man is a former captain for the U.S. Men's Team USA. He's a current member of the National Soccer Hall of Fame. He's played for clubs such as Leon, the Metro Stars, Colorado Rapids. And let's please welcome a true soccer All-American, Mr. Marcelo Balboa. He's not related to Rocky Balboa, by the way. <laughs> I've had that asked a lot, not going to lie. <laughs> I've had that asked a lot. So. Thank you for being with us, Mr. Balboa. Marcelo, to keep Any, it cordial. Uh, Marcelo. Cello, please. Cello. Yes, sir. Thank you for being on the show with us, uh, Marcelo, on the Soccer Subs. Amazing for you to be a guest of ours. Pleasure, true honor. I'll start off the interview and just kind of kick it off. How have you been? How's the family? And I'm sure you must be excited to have soccer back in our lives after this big, long pause. How have you been busy? We keep an eye on your Instagram stories. We see you love going hiking. Just tell us about your day-to-day. Well, one, I thought you were going to ask a serious question. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, you know what? It, I think it's difficult for everybody. Uh, I'm blessed enough that my mom and dad um, are healthy. They're in California. Uh, they've been locked up pretty good for five months, six mm. months. Haven't seen them since Christmas, so that's been difficult. Uh, my boys, I have two boys, Nicholas and Owen. They're both in college right now, but uh, they're going to do online schooling. So I feel pretty good and pretty safe uh, about that. So, you know, on that side of it, I've been pretty healthy. I was sick for about three weeks, got tested twice. But I tell you what, if they both came back negative, but if anything, phobic is anything, what I felt over the last three weeks, I feel really bad if somebody gets it because it was awful, yeah, man. No three joke. weeks wow. of just no joke. aches and pains and just couldn't couldn't get rid of things, you know what I mean? But I got tested twice. Uh, both came back negative, so I was very happy with that. So, But uh, besides that, listen, uh, I live in Colorado. So you, I, I've learned, I struggled through when I retired. I've learned over the last three or four years that uh, I had a very good friend of mine, Fernando Clavijo, who passed away, that uh, I've learned that you have to enjoy every day. Every day is a blessing. I don't know 100%. if I have tomorrow. So I do. People laugh at me, but I get up at 5 o'clock. I'm on the mountain. At by 5.30, I see a sunset. I've run into bears, foxes, moose, coyote. It, you know what? If it's my turn to go, it's my turn to go. It's unfortunate, but I'm definitely going to enjoy every minute that I have on this earth that God has given me, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm going to let everybody enjoy. That's why I take tons of pictures at sunset. Um, not everybody gets to do what I get to do early in the morning because they have work or they have kids. My kids are grown up, so I have that ability to to be able to go out and uh, and enjoy uh, enjoy my life before I go to work in the afternoon with the Rapids DA. Yes, Mr. Laboa, we're very happy to know whoa, that whoa, you're whoa. healthy. <laughs> oh, uh, Marcelo, 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 Marcelo. I, I, I know I've got some gray, but Mr. Balboa. <laughs> he warned us. He warned us. <laughs> he did. He did. It's just a bad habit. It's all good. Mar- Marcelo, we're happy to know that you're doing well, and we obviously see uh, through your Instagram that you're always active. I'm really happy about that. One small remark. I have to say it. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln. Yes. My Mount Rushmore consists of Casey Keller, Alexis Lalas, Landon Donovan, and of course, Marcelo Balboa. Just want to share that remark with you, uh, uh, Marcelo. eh? I appreciate that. I do. You know, it's interesting because when you you start playing, the, the furthest thing from my mind was Hall of Fame, 
um, anything of that, you know, that's that, that personal goal. Uh, everything was just trying to play at the best and the highest level you could, you know what I mean? And, and you have reporters who, and, and fans who love you and you have people who hate you. It's just reality when, when you play sports, you know what I mean? Uh, there was quite a few times where there was a, a reporter named Paul Gardner. I don't know if you guys remember him a long time ago, Soccer America. He always, always used to crucify me, called me the Rambo of soccer that I was going to self-destruct because I played so hard and I played so physical. And, uh, and you know, and as a kid, it was instilled in me that you work hard every day. You don't open the door for anybody to take your position. And uh, did I play hard? Yeah, I played like every game was my last game. And some days, you know, it didn't work out. Some days you had bad games. I remember own goals <laughs> that I scored in national team games against Brazil in a friendly. So, you know, you never really know where you kind of stand in people's eyes, media, fans. And uh, when, when you retire, you start realizing where you fit in in the, uh, in the spectrum of where soccer was. So I, I appreciate that, that comment because you never, I was one of those guys that was always a little insecure, not really sure if people accepted the way I played or didn't play. And, uh, and little by little, as you retire, you start realizing that some of the awards that come your way when you retire were because of what you did with your body of work. So uh, never started that way. And at the end of your career, you're kind of like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? But for soccer, it was how long can you play? Uh, how long will your career last? And what, what impact will you leave in the sport of soccer when, when you're done? And my goal was to leave a legacy. So when my kids, because my kids were younger, they didn't get to see me play that much. Um, when they have kids, I wanted to make sure that they were able to tell who grandpa was. Who is grandpa? What is grandpa? Look what grandpa's done. This is who your great grandfather was. You know what I mean? So that was, that was the most important thing to leave a little bit of a legacy for my, for my family. No, that's important. And that's one of the things that I wanted to touch on because you were part of a team that revolutionized soccer in the United States. So I, I wanted to know what was your experience through that process Um, the good times, the bad times, and what did it mean for you to qualify uh, the U.S. To a, to a World Cup in 1990 after a 40-year absence? Is this a PG show or no? <laughs> no, go no. For it. Go you for it. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. When uh, I started with the under-20, And with the under 20, we went to the under 20 World Cup. We did not do well. But being able to, to move into a situation from the under 20s to the somewhat full team, but a B team, they, they picked a young group of kids to go and start playing. It was, it, first, it was a dream come true because to be able to represent your country and, 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 and play for that and try, to, and try to help this sport grow, because that's what we were doing. To qualify for the World Cup, I was still in college. I got to play a few games, but the crucial game against Trinidad, they decided to send all the college players home except for Tony because of the goalkeeper situation. So to, to watch your team that qualified in Trinidad was absolutely spectacular because we knew that that was going to open a door because there were some older players on that team that have been around a long time. And when you go to a World Cup, you've got to be able to mix a young group with an old group. So listen, I, it's not like I didn't have my challenges. Um, I got moved around from center back to defensive midfield. I became a, a I guess, a, a big piece of the 18, not of the starting 11. As I broke into the lineup, we were playing Bermuda and Bermuda. I went to clear a ball, and this guy, back in the old days, you could two-foot guys. They <laughs> two-footed me. I tore my MCL. I stretched Jesus. it to the oh, point where it was on the table, and the doctor would hit it, and it would just kind of swing by itself. So that, that World Cup was in jeopardy. I had to come back from that. And when I did come back, 
Bob Gansler, come to find out that Bob Gansler uh, was a former teammate of my dad's who did not oh, count okay. the Chicago Mustangs. So before the World Cup, he sat me down and kind of told me a little bit of the story of him and my dad playing together. And uh, he told me I was going to play, I was going to be on the 90 World Cup team. And he explained to me that when he saw me, he saw himself a little bit, Bob Ganser. So he was very clear. He was very honest. He said to me, because uh, I broke into the starting lineup as a six, as a defensive midfielder. But, and this is, I had so much respect for Bob Ganser because he made it very clear. He said to everybody in the first World Cup game, he goes, the guys that helped me get here are the guys that deserve to be on that field. We haven't qualified in a World Cup in 40 years, and I, I feel the obligation to play them and give them an opportunity. And I hated it, but so much respect because he was honest. And then from there, you know what? It was every World Cup for me has been an interesting one because some sort of setback, the, the, the MCL was a setback. In 94, I tore my ACL in 93. I had basically uh, 10 months to get back. And they didn't think I was going to get back. I just made it back in six. I was starting by the World Cup. So uh, 98, I tore my plantar fasciitis right before we went there. I got taken off the team. I had to fight back. So this is the beauty of our sport, man. You got to fight every day. You have to fight every day for what you 100%. want. You can't, when, you, when you take one foot off the accelerator and you think you're there, you're okay, is when somebody comes in and steals your spot. So I've been blessed enough with Argentine parents who are stubborn, who have taught <laughs> me to fight every day, who have taught me to fight for what I want and never give up. So that's the mentality I still have now, and I'm 53. Really, really happy to hear that you're a man that shows grit all the time, whether it was playing or, or being on TV. It's on my sleeve, boys. You wear your heart on your sleeve. You wear your emotions <laughs> on your sleeve. That's, that's who I am. If I don't like something, I've always been the quiet one as a player because I didn't have to you had Lexi you had Winaldo you had John Harks you have Tab Ramos you got Paul Calagiri look at the personalities I had when I played on that team so I didn't really have to say much I just had to do my job Marcelo, so, thank you for sharing that with us you really left a, a huge impact in, in in our lives and soccer fans in the soccer world I just want to touch base a little bit on World Cup 94 okay the yeah. U.S. hosting the biggest sports event in the world might not be the favorites to win but definitely a little bit pressure for hosting it and definitely you know people anticipated the U.S. advancing to the next round I just want to know how important it was for you and teammates how important influential was to have a European coach style like Bora Militinovic, lead a hungry U.S. team, carry them through a very tough group stage that had Romania with George Hagi, one of the best Colombia squads, and you and led them to the next round of 16, which you guys faced yeah. yourself. How influential important was to have a European coach during those times? One, let's start. We never had really pressure to win the World Cup in 94. You know what I mean? I, I think no, that, absolutely. Yeah, you know what I mean? We never, we never felt that, which was good. The pressure that was on our shoulders was the impact of what the World Cup was. This is the first time the United States was going to host Correct. It. This was the first time that a lot of millions and millions and millions of Americans were going to see what is this sporting event that yes. we want to go see. We want to be a part of the biggest sporting event in the world. So there were people that didn't know soccer. Yeah, not a lot of Americans knew that the U.S. was hosting the World Cup that year. So the pressure we had, to be honest with you, was to get out of the group. We had to get out of the group. Because if you go back to every the World Cups leading into that, every host country got out of the group stage. If we didn't get out of that group stage, that would have been a huge failure like the 90 World Cup was. The 90 World Cup was a learning lesson. We thought we knew what the World Cup was about because you watch it on TV, you see those players. 
but we didn't have really many European players. I think besides Caligiri and a few guys that have tested the waters, we were a bunch yeah, of young like, college kids. Like Tab Ramos. I, I, play. So the pressure for us was having to get out of the group. Exactly. Um, I think that that's where U.S. soccer came in and realized that we needed a coach who had that experience already, a coach who knew the international game, a coach who's coached in the World Cup. He knew how to prepare us. He knew how to mm -hmm. do everything. But he changed not just how we thought. He changed how we played. Because you remember when we played, we played a lot of long ball, man. We were looking for Bruce Murray. We were looking for Eric Winalda. We were Thanks, looking Stuart. for a lot of the direct ball because that's mm -hmm. the coach. That's the style we were playing. So we tried to play a little bit. And, uh, but we didn't have that, that, that tactical how we wanted to play exactly yet. So when you brought in Bora, Bora's first job was to make us believe that we can compete with anybody in the world. Some days we did and some days we didn't. But little by little, as he went on, he taught us to be patient because we were not very patient. We were direct. We wanted to go, go, go for 90 minutes. So when Bora came in, he changed tactically the way we were going to play. He changed. The biggest thing he did was change personnel, which shocked a lot of people. And then he got us to believe that we could play against Mexico, Costa Rica, and we can beat those teams. So really the first challenge we had, if you go back, go back to the 90, 91 uh, Gold Cup, the mm -hmm. very first Gold Cup. We started playing. People were like, you know, what's this U.S. team doing? They're knocking around. They're being patient. They're waiting to move the ball to find gaps in between teams. And that's not what they were used to. So next thing you know, we beat Trinidad. We beat this. You know, we beat Mexico in a semifinal. Now, all of a sudden, we believe in, in what Bora was selling us. Because, listen, as a coach, the players have to buy into what you're selling. If you buy into it and you believe that that coach is telling you the truth, that you put it, listen, I remember Bora saying, listen, I coached the Mexican team. They put their pants, their, their, their uniforms on just like you do, one sock at a time, one leg at a time in their pants, and they put on the shirt one arm at a time, they put it on. He goes, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, so we're starting to buy into it. We beat Mexico 2 nothing. Now we're like, holy crap. You know what I mean? We're in a final. We're in a final for the first time. Mm -hmm. So then we go and beat Honduras and penalty kicks. And like I said, it was more of we had to believe that we could play with these teams. And once Not we feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. Once we believed it mentally, we started competing with them. And it was his job now to get us ready to the 94 World Cup. And Bora did. Boris got us to believe that we can play against anybody. And listen. We'll go back to Colombia because I see yes. the Colombian jersey back yes. there too. If you go back to the <laughs> Colombia game leading into the World Cup, we didn't beat Colombia one time. And I think mm. we played them somewhere between four and six times. We lost in penalties. We lost two or three nothing. We lost two to one. That was the first time that – and Colombia, listen, Colombia had that much pressure with the cartel, the money they put down on the betting. To go far in the World Cup. Yeah. Absolutely. They were, yes. listen, they were favorites to win favorites. It because of yeah. what they did to Argentina in Argentina. So for us to get out of there with a 2-1 win, um, listen, if, if, if it wasn't for Fernando and Mike Sorber on the first five to ten minutes saving that ball off the line, one nothing down there, that's a completely different game. They saved that. We grew in confidence. And listen, unfortunate about the own goal. That's just reality sometimes in a game. It happens. But Bora it got happens. us to believe that we can play with anybody in the world as long as we played as a unit. We fought, we scratched, and we believed – that when we stepped on the field, we had an opportunity to win. And that's kind of what got us through that, that 94, well, 92 to 94. And absolutely, Bora brought all that. And absolutely, it was, it, you guys shocked the world. In, in, yeah. in a sense, it could have been 3-1 with your almost bicycle kick goal. Unbelievable. <laughs> Until today, it was one of, it's been, it's one of my favorite World Cup games and one of the ones yeah. that I, I remember the most. Thank you, Marcelo.
One of my favorite misses. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you compensated yourself. You scored one in the MLS a couple of years. Really? After. We're going we're gonna to talk about – we're going to talk USA Columbia World Cup. I know, I know. <laughs> as a player, as an individual play, I guess you felt a little bit happy that you scored a wonderful goal like that. Yeah, listen, I – my dad told me a long time ago when I was just going from high school to college that anybody can defend, but you have to make yourself stand out. You have to be a guy that can do something different. Mm -hmm. You have to be a threat on set pieces, free kicks. You have to be like that. So I remember going uh, after school. My dad worked a graveyard at Starkist Tuna. He made the cans. He did all that stuff. He was a machinist. <laughs> and he would come straight from work, and we're outside, and he's pumping balls in there. I'm jumping. I'm heading the ball. Everything to – to make myself different because in order to be different, if you can score goals, then people look at you differently. So uh, I worked on a lot of that, on a lot of free kicks, on the power of the free kick. And uh, I think that's what now bicycle kick that, you know, I, I saw Pele do it and I'm like, that looks cool as hell. And I remember, <laughs> I remember breaking lamps. And I remember doing all that stuff, practicing in the pool, but uh, man, I gotta be honest with you I, as a defender, uh, I always seem to do the opposite. When you yeah. the play breaks down, you're supposed to run back. I sit there like Lexi does. So listen, I scored one in with the under 20 national team and a friendly against Canada. I got one against Trinidad that dropped right into my lap to win the game. The World Cup one was was you know one of those things that and that's probably I'll be honest with you out of free kicks and everything that's probably the purest ball I've ever hit because I didn't feel it come off my foot at all. Wow. I felt the one in Columbus. But I knew that one was on target. But I've never hit a ball like that bicycle kick with, with that much. When you hit a pure, sometimes yes. you don't feel it off your boot. And uh, I didn't feel it come off my shoe at all. So, unfortunately, it went wide. I guess that, that sort of ties into my question. Well, a lot of what you just said ties into my question about your, your style. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like you said, you, you played a very aggressive attacking style of defense a style that we don't see that much anymore. Uh, we don't see a lot of center backs who play that sort of attacking style, who play a style where they can score goals, acrobatic and athletic yeah. goals like you did, obviously with your 2000 MLS goal of the season. Who is your favorite aggressive, athletic and attacking defender right now? And what is your favorite team when it comes to playing a, a defensive style that allows for defenders like yourself or who, who play the style that you do or you did? You know, uh, first of all, good question, because if I was playing in this era, I would probably get red carded every other game. <laughs> in the old days, well, let's be honest. Back in the old days, you yeah. can come in two foot, you can come in from the side and hook tackle from behind. There was a lot of things that we could get away with back in the old days compared to now. It's like so old I basketball. Don't see, I don't see, yeah, I don't see a lot of players that are physical, physical defenders. I don't think a lot of teams are built to defend like that. You know, I think company was one of the, one of the, when he played for Man City, he was probably one of the most physical center backs you've ever seen because he was allowed to come in and crack people. But now even Van Dyke now, look at him. He's not really a guy who's going to get physical. He's very big. He's very strong. He's good on the ball. He doesn't have to get into those kind of situations. But uh, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not, first, I'm not a, a big fan of a defensive minded team. I think you have to be organized, but I coach my 14s to attack. I coach them to attack. And when, if we lose it, the first thing we do, no matter where we're at, we pinch the middle of the field to slow the game down and force them wide. So um, I don't see a lot of teams, even when you see a, a let's go with Tottenham. Okay, let's go with Mourinho. When he defends, it's a block of 11, sitting in a block 40 yards from goal, 
and they collapse and, they, and they're marking their spaces or sliding side to side. So you don't see a lot of teams that get spread open and wide open that you have to one-on-one -on -one defend, uh, unless you watched Barcelona the other night. destruction. a lot of bad one-on-one -on -one defending. That's but not what, that's what you should you not do. Anymore. And this year, you don't have to one-on-one -on -one defend because teams are so tactically instilled how to defend in a block of 11 or block of 10, because I count the goalkeeper when I say 11. So, but uh, my favorite defender back a while ago was Vincent Company. He was, to me, the, the guy who was very physical, great in the air, had a presence in the back. Van Dyke now, big, strong guy, so, but can also play with the ball. Marcelo, my question for you. We know you played for the Metro Stars and you played for the Colorado Rapids. And I kind of just wanted to quickly ask you on the evolution of the MLS. I think now we're seeing some bigger names come into, into the mix from Europe. Yeah. We also talked with Christian Vieri and Andres Cordero from BN Sports. And yep. we touched on the fact, you know, the U.S. is taking time to develop players. Also, we're getting players from, South America as a destination to come here and develop their game. So I kind of just wanted to touch on, you know, from your years playing back then with the Metro Stars and Colorado Rapids, how have you seen the evolution of the MLS into now? And what have been your thoughts on like the style of play and just the evolution of the teams and like the expansion teams coming along yeah. now? I think it, it's different again, because you start a league, it's got a bunch of American players, then you sprinkled in a few foreign players with Valderrama, mm -hmm. uh, Echeverri, Moreno, you know, you, you had your uh, Hurtados who were in LA, uh, Jorge Campos, you know what I mean? You had yes. those big stars, but let's be honest, nowadays with the money that you're allowed to spend with the, we still call it the David Beckham rule, the designated player that you can go out and sign, it's like anything else, the evolution of this league, slowly but sure. Early. We've had hiccups. We've had speed bumps. There's no doubt about that. But the consistent of starting off as an American league where the American players are going to get a chance to play, you're going to develop these players. You know, where would Brian McBride be if it wasn't for MLS where he got a lot of playing time before he got sold to Europe, Landon Donovan? There's been a lot of guys who have taken that step. But I think now we went from a, and no disrespect, and this is just my opinion, oh, when you go back and you brought in a Gerard, you brought in a Pirlo, you brought in a Lampard, were they really here to boost the league or were they here to bring a name into, you know what I'm saying? Nowadays, the evolution has gone. We've gone away from the 30-something-year-old to Barco in Atlanta. You're bringing in young Argentines that you're looking to get in and you're looking to sell. Mixed in with some guys now that are 28, 29, when they came in with Valeri in Portland and what he's done. The evolution has gone from an American league, the American players, to bringing in big names where we've gone away. Now we're looking to, it's a business. We've got to bring in potentially young players who we see potential. potential. Who, let's be honest, we're, we're, we're that springboard. You go from Argentine, South America to MLS, you go to Europe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the evolution of what we've seen over the last probably six to to probably five to six years because when you when you start a league you know it's going to have its up and down but the idea is to consistently move forward and i think mls has consistently moved forward they they've moved in a direction where you're you're able to spend more money teams are bringing in more money you're bringing in bigger franchises from st louis to charlotte to nashville you know what i mean sacramento so you're looking at the growth of this league so the concern is like always you grow too quick you spread out the talent it's not as competitive. So I think that's the only thing that we, that the MLS has had to be careful of. But again, it's unfortunate what's been going on in this country with this pandemic, because it's really put a halt all over the world in sports and, and jobs it's and really everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To get soccer back 
to get football back, to get basketball back. It, it, you see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. We get to watch and do something that we all love to do, be it any sport it is, but it, it's that connection back with that sport that people have that passion for that now is finally, is finally regained after six months. So again, slowly but surely doing things the right way. I think the MLS is going to be around for a long time compared to, listen, when I came in 96 from Mexico, the first thing they told us was, listen, we have money for three years. After three years, we are not sure what's going to happen because we're not sure what's going to happen in three years. So you went from that insecurity to half a million dollar, not even that, you're looking at what, $200 million stadiums that are being built right now because they see the future. The soccer, everybody wants in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, McConaughey, what's, his, what's the guy and then uh, the actor in Austin that's, that's doing all the promos? Matt Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah. Look at what he's doing. Look at LAFC. Look how many uh, actors are trying to get in on that. Look at on the women's side. I think it's the Los Angeles Angels. I think something like that, right? The Angels, Mm -hmm. they're they're bringing in a women's league with all women owners. That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Just shows you where where this sport is going to grow and where it's going to keep growing. And when you talk about growth, especially player development, I know that when we reached out to you, you mentioned to us that you're coaching the U14 Academy team uh, at the Rapids. So one of the coaching questions that I have for you was, what is the key function of a soccer coach in that stage of player development? And what are some key takeaways uh, that you want your players to inherit as they move up through the ranks? Wow. Okay. Good question. Um, The idea, you're always going to find, listen, we were all given a gift. I don't know what it is. Some people in science and math and this or that, everybody's been given a gift. When a kid steps on the field, we have a few kids that you can see have that natural ability to play. Because listen, Messi didn't start from not being able to kick a ball to where he's at now. He was given a gift. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, can we put him in an environment where we can test him, where we can challenge him every single day? When it gets too easy, players back off the pedal, they get bored. The idea is when you get that kid who you think has a little bit of talent, how hard can you push him? How can you challenge him every day to get better? Sometimes we have a 15-year-old training with a 17-year-old, a 17-year-old training with a 19-year-old. I take a lot of the 13s who I think have potential and bring them up to the 14s because it's too easy. So the idea is how can we challenge them and help them keep developing their skills? Everybody has a different pathway. Listen, my pathway, when I tell people my pathway, they laugh because I went from playing club soccer to getting cut on all my ODP teams. So I was 18 years old. I made ODP at 18 years old when I was in California. I got looked at. We went to the uh, to the regional championships at West, the East, and North, the South. We all played against each other. I was a center back who scored three goals. They didn't pick me for the under-20 national team at that time to go to Russia. So now all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, okay, I went to junior college, Cerritos Junior College, for two years before I went to San Diego State. In between that, I got chosen to play the under-20 national team. So, you know, I mean, everybody has a different pathway doesn't mean because you don't get signed as a homegrown at 17, 18, or 19 that you're not going to be a professional soccer player. Maybe it's going to take you a little longer to develop. Maybe you need to go to college two or three years. Maybe you end up in a USL team. And we've had a lot of guys from USL end up in an MLS team. 
So we try to encourage the kids to listen, everybody's going to have, you're going to have a chance to play. It just depends how hard you're willing to work, what you're willing to sacrifice. And what we mean sacrifice isn't sitting here playing PlayStation thinking I'm practicing today <laughs> going to the park or going to the park and shooting as a defender, you're shooting for a half hour and goal. Yeah, I went and worked out today. That's not, that's not improving yourself. So we try to instill the kids in hard work, teamwork. We try to instill that college is the best option for everybody. Uh, and then if you're lucky enough where you move progressively, you move into a direction where you maybe get signed as a homegrown or do a USL contract, we push those kids even harder. So everybody has a different pathway, but we try to get them to realize that when you're here, you have to do this. It's not, it's not a switch that you can turn on and off. It's once you cross that line for my team. Once you cross that line, it's time to work your ass off. It's time to work. It's not time to joke around. It's not to, listen, you're going to have a bad day technically. You Maybe your passing's off. I get that. Maybe your shooting is off. Something could be off, but I can tell you what, your effort is here. And you can give me an effort all day long, and I expect that from them. And if they don't give it to me, then, you know, I, I push that kid to the side a little bit today because he's not having a good day. Doesn't mean I don't like him, but if he's not willing to give me the effort, just like everybody else, you got to go with the kids that are willing to give you 100%. And every day, listen, the beauty about coaching the academy, it's not like club where you have, okay, 50% of playing time goes to everybody. You want something. This is my philosophy. If you want something, you got to earn it. I'm not giving you any. I, nobody gave me a starting spot. No one gave me a starting spot in college. No one got me into college. I had to get myself in. You want to be a starter? Come earn it every day. I'll give it to you then. But if you don't earn it every day, I'm not going to give you because you're with the most talented player. You still have to come work and earn that spot. Mentality, character. Yeah. It's all about mentality, sacrifice. Yeah, great coaching vision and mentality, Marcelo. Um, just to stay a little bit on the coaching subject, and, and I promise, just a simple, fun question. Will we, uh, <laughs> are we going to see Marcelo um, in the near future or in the future coaching maybe a national team, U.S. or outside the U.S.? Have you ever uh, thought you, about you know, it? I think, I think Marcelo's still playing for Real Madrid, so... <laughs> I don't know, I don't know the Brazilian. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what he's going to do, but he's playing for Real. So I don't know. <laughs> Listen, here's the deal. Um, I think doors will open and close. Uh, God has had a God has a plan for me, and it's already set. If that door comes, I will look at it that day. I will see the pluses and minuses of it, and I will make a decision then. Right now. I love being a broadcaster. I get to go to so many practices. I get to see so many different styles of what coaches do and how they do, how they prepare their team, how they interact with their team, how the assistant coaches do their thing. Would If that door opened, would I consider it 100% as an assistant coach? Being a U14, I've been with the under 20s. I've been with the under 16 U.S. national teams. I think every coach has a process. I, could, I cannot say to you and be honest with you that if an MLS team would say, oh, we want you to be head coach, I got to be honest, I'd probably turn it down because I don't feel that I'm ready to take that big of a jump from a U14 or even an under-20 assistant coach to be an MLS coach. To, to give the best that I had and to help that franchise, I think that if an assistant job opened up, I think that's probably where I would want to start to work my way up to see. Because you know what, listen, I may get there and realize, you know what, head coach isn't what I want. I like being an assistant coach. I like being that guy that goes between the player and the assistant coach and has that relationship. So I, I think there's a process you have to go through. And the process for me, if the assistant coaching job came open at a team, I think that I would consider that because I think that would be the right step to take a full team and to say, I'm ready for that. I would be lying and I would be in a position where I would be uncomfortable, which is good, but 
uh, I think that there's a process that you have to go in order to be successful at the MLS level, or at any level, national team, 15, 20, 16, whatever it is, there's a process. Well, hope to see you an assistant coach in any MLS or national team. Thank you. If it yes. opens up, if it opens up, it opens up. If it doesn't, because we, the U.S. Uh, or any MLS team needs that mentality and that yeah, vision. But I, I love my 14s. I love broadcasting, <laughs> and I've been blessed enough that that door was open to me right after I retired. And uh, I'm 20, 20 years strong into it. I enjoy it. I can do Spanish and English, like I do stuff with Tudene, Univision. So. You know, again, God has a path for me. And if that path says, listen, Cello, this assistant coaching thing could be good for you. It could challenge you. Then he'll let me know. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll walk through that door. If it's not, 100%. then uh, I'm a happy man doing what I do. I love coaching my 14s. I, I love watching the development of them because they stay in the system and I get to see them at 19 because I'm the assistant coach with the 19. So I'm blessed with what I have and I'm thankful for what I have. And if something else opens along, then I will, I will, I will evaluate that, that door. If anybody asks us, we're going to make sure to put in a good word for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any MLS execs listening to this podcast will now have the inside <laughs> scoop on who to get. I, I guess my next question is obviously you played on an international stage with the United States. You played club level in the United States. You had a stint in Mexico with Club Leon. You have to have some amazing, funny, you know, story about the antics that you, you know, you had to put up with personalities that you played with, especially on the international stage. What's your, what's your favorite story? like your, an angel. Come on. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite story that you like to tell or, or what's I'll your I'll give you, I'll give you two real quick. I played for Olympiacos right after the 94 world cup. They uh, Olympiacos in Greece was looking for a center back. Okay. So they flew me down. I got there. They took me to training the week before I got there that weekend. They played Paratenaikos, who is their rival. The I'm at practice. I'm at practice, hanging out, just watching because it's the first day I got there. And there was a few Australian guys. They're talking to me in English. The, you know, the coach was Dutch. And all of a sudden, you hear, boom, boom. I'm like, what the? <laughs> and everybody starts laughing. And I'm like, why are you guys laughing? I mean, what's going on? They're like, come here. We walk around the corner, and they have two cars. They have a car they take to practice on the days they lose. And they have their game cars where the fans were throwing rocks over the fence, hitting yeah. the players' cars because they oh, lost man. to their rival <laughs> team. It is. They were laughing. They were, they weren't big rocks, but they, you know, Disrespectful. They, it'll make a little dent, but, <laughs> but you just hear boom, boom, boom. So that was my first introduction to Greek soccer. And unfortunately they had uh, Amakachi, I think it was at the time that did not want to, he didn't want to play there anymore, but he didn't want to give up his contract. So I waited two weeks played in a friendly. I played. They wanted to give me a contract. It didn't work out. That's where I ended up with, with Leon, okay? Or with Pachuca or Puebla. In Puebla, I didn't agree on a contract. Leon wanted me because Ruggetti, our Argentinian friend, decided he was going to go play for another team. So I got an opportunity there. So leading into that story, my second day of training at Leon, I came in. Everybody kind of knew the big, tall American kid who was playing in the 94 World Cup. They signed. So the other center back was a Mexican player, local player. And within the first 30 minutes of our scrimmage game, he comes running down. And back then we could file our soccer cleats, our metal cleats that you can't wear now that much. Pretty sharp, almost to not much of a point, but a point. He comes in and tackles me and rips my whole shoe. 
because it was leather. Remember, leather back then was easy to rip with a shoe, and I was wearing the Copas. So he ripped my shoe with an ugly tackle. You know what I mean? I saw him, I jumped, he caught me. And, you know, at that time, I thought to myself, okay, he's trying to keep his spot. I get it. So within the next two or three minutes, he comes dribbling down the field. I took full speed. He ran by one guy. I laid this guy out so bad. <laughs> Got him with both feet from the side, flipped him and stood over him and looked at him. And I said, you want to play this game in Spanish? I'll play it. I'm here to stay. And he just kind of looked at me. We love that story. I that was juicy. That was juicy. <laughs> oh, right. But I said it in Spanish with a nasty tone and stood right over him because I was not going to let a guy intimidate me because I knew that I was there to take his spot. But he laid, he sent the first message. If you don't lay a message back, mm -hmm. then he's got the upper hand mentally. 100%. And I wanted everybody on that field to know that I was here to start. I was here to play mm -hmm. and I was here to freaking send a message. So when I told him, he was like, he just laid there. And uh, Gustavo de Soti, the Argentinian guy who played for the Argentine national team in the 90 World Cup, he grabbed me. Tita, the Brazilian, grabbed me and held me back because I wasn't leaving. I was going to send a message that I'm here to play. I didn't come there to sit on the bench and to be a foreign player. You know what I mean? So I laid the message. And after that, it, it settled down. But two of the three of his buddies throughout practices were always trying to kind of, you know what I mean? But... Sometimes it's just that one message that you have to send where you go to a new place. And let's be honest, at that time in 94, USA, Mexico still had that rivalry. People really still respected us, but didn't really respect an American. And I, listen, I didn't do myself any favors. The first game was at Azteca against America. I did not play well. I'll leave it at that. I had a very <laughs> average game. So going home, the other guy thought, oh, maybe I have a chance to play. So when I got home, we played a home game. I killed it. And I got, you know what I mean? So, but those were the two, two stories that, uh, that were, uh, were always stick in the back of my mind. One was a, holy crap, what am I doing in Greece? And then <laughs> having to send a message of who you were to everybody on the team that you were here to stay, that you were not going to take the abuse, I guess you would say a little bit of, of a player who's trying to keep a spot. Marcelo, you definitely sent a message on that one. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely earned a little bit more respect. <laughs> and Marcelo, we know you got to go. So we're just going to wrap it up with this question. My, uh, my last question for myself here. One thing about me, Marcelo, I'm a soccer jersey collector. I love the old kits from early 2000s uh, going yep. into now. I got to ask you with your amazing career, especially playing for, you know, for MLS teams and also in Mexico. Wanted to ask you, what's been your most memorable or favorite soccer jersey swap? We asked that question to Mr. Christian Vieri. It was hard for him to give us an answer but we had to shoot it out to a legend just like yourself too you know what mine's easy mine's sitting in a security lockbox. i guess it is <laughs> okay in the bank um, <laughs> is that what they're called right in the, in the banks in the banks yeah yeah i have i have an east germany national team jersey before they broke down the wall mm -hmm. from east from east germany to west germany we got to play east germany and uh i didn't realize what i had until the wall came down and people mm -hmm. were like i've had people offer to buy that jersey because it no longer exists it divided the east remember the east and west of course. so yeah, that is well. a and it's not a listen i have all the ramas jersey and those are i have stoichkoff's jersey uh, I, first of all who the hell would have thought when i started playing soccer that i would be friend with a guy like like stoichkoff you know what i mean <laughs> or a valderrama or an etcheverry guys that right. have been huge huge parts of soccer in this in the world of history so 
Uh, but the East Germany one and the USSR one, they no longer exist. I have those two jerseys. We played against them. Those are very special. And I, and I don't have them. I have them locked up because they <laughs> keep them locked up <laughs> because they're that much. So they're in California. They're locked up over there. And uh, that's how special they are to me. That's to the Marcelo right. Balboa Museum. Right, great. Uh, they, listen, I, again, back to the, I always wanted to leave something for my kids. So throughout the World Cups, each kid has a World Cup jersey that will be framed from each World Cup. They will have a Rapids jersey because that's the first team. They both have Leon jerseys. So the, every team that I played for that's special in my heart, national team, Leon and the Rapids, each one has a signed, my, my jersey signed and framed. So when I pass away, it will be gifted to them and will be theirs. So, you know what I mean? So they can show their kids, but they have something of, of well, shit, let me be honest. They got tons of member beer they're going to have to sort through. So good luck. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Marcelo. That was my last question for us. I know you got to wrap it up soon. I know you're a busy no, man, man over good. there. I got a few more minutes. If you have another question, you're... Any predictions for the Champions League? Man, you know, um, I kind of knew PSG was going to win yesterday. PSG you know, Bayern would be a good final. Feeling Bayern Munich's going to win. The problem is, is how do you stop Neymar and Mbappe right now? That, you know, watching them play and watching the way PSG's playing with so much confidence, but... I've never seen anybody destroy Barcelona the way they've been destroyed. Oh, and man, that was And how can you stop Alph Alphonse Davies, yeah, too? I, you know, I, they I, also have speed, too. So that's the combination. I, listen, I, you never catch the, the eggs before they're hatched. Yeah. <laughs> if, Bayern Munich, if Bayern Munich gets there, which I think they will, I think Bayern Munich's going to win it. I, I, they're just so solid everywhere you look. There's not one weakness anywhere on that team. So I, I don't see how – PSG is going to get there, get, I mean, beat them. But, you know, at the end and of the day, it, yeah, we never know. Game. That's all it takes. One game, one mistake could cost you it. There so you go. I think it's going to be go. a good final. Thank you. Thank you, you, you for the predictions from, from Mr. Marcelo Balboa. I agree with you, Marcelo. I'm the Marcelo. Right, thank you. Thank Marcelo, thank you. you so much for joining. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for Anytime, being on the soccer fellas. subs. All right, guys. That was the interview with Marcelo Balboa. We hope you liked it. <laughs> Christian Hugh, what you guys think of that man? That was uh, that was crazy. Oh man, he had some great stories, especially the one in Greece. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I, I like the story back. that he had out in, uh, in Lyon and in, in, in oh, Mexico. Yeah, out of Mexico, yeah. Yeah, no, he, yeah, no, he's he very interesting. Him. Good, good insight too, man. He's you know he talks a little bit about his mentality as a player. And, and dude, all the injuries he had too, man. Uh, oh my god, yeah. His ACL and all that. I mean, this guy's just been through a lot, dude. I'm, he was like better functioning Gareth Bale for part of his. <laughs> Anyway, appreciate you, Mr. Marcelo Balboa, for being on the show. Really appreciate yes, it. Yes, come back. Fellas, yes. we got to wrap it up. Quick little outro round. Say peace out to the fans. Episode five coming out soon. But Christian Houston, I'll let you guys do a quick little outro round. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us again. I mean, I don't know what's happening with these transfers. I, it's been a crazy year. It hasn't stopped yet. So let's see what happens next week. And uh, once again, the voice of the people, Christian. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to come in with my usual spiel about, you know, everybody's got to follow us on social the YouTube media, video. blah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check us out. We might be doing YouTube videos. But we, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. It, it depends. No, but thank you guys for the love. It's been great. Definitely, if you guys want to, uh, like, want a guest on a show or want to suggest something we do on a show, definitely let us know. Absolutely. We want to be as interactive with you guys as possible. So let us know and 
We'll see what we can do. We'll see if we can talk to our guests. And we love having you guys listen to the show. We love making the show for you guys. And yeah, thanks for listening. Yep. And to pick up from you, definitely please give us a follow on Soccer Subs Podcast on Instagram. Our email is the same, Podcast at Gmail. Shoot us a note there if there's anything you guys want us to talk about, anything you want to hear from us, any questions, definitely hit us up. Appreciate everybody's support. That's it for us for episode four. Everyone be safe.